Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm Ryan Gable. 
and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can also find us online by searching www.thesecretteachings.info. You'll find our show promos so you can see what the next show will be Monday through Friday, of course, on groundzero.radio. And you'll be able to find my books. And if you're already a subscriber, you can keep your subscription there on the website. If you're not a subscriber, you get the free archive there. You just have to listen to some of those annoying advertisements. But it also supports the show, so sort of a win-win. You get the show for free. On Aftermath.media, over on GroundZero.radio, you can find a link. Or just type in Aftermath.media. You'll find our new archive. Same archive, just transplanted into Aftermath.media by the great team there. Mike is in the process of transferring all of it over. As we move into our official arrangement with Aftermath, you can find The Secret Teachings and Clyde Lewis's Ground Zero together in the premium package. And really, what better deal could you get than that? A lot of really great radio. So again, Aftermath.media and TheSecretTeachings.info. If you missed last night's show with Michael Jaco, I thought that the show probably warranted another half hour at minimal, but we'll definitely have him back on because there are some things at the very, very end that we did not get to explore, and that was intentional. I wanted to talk about remote viewing and remote influencing and leave the decision up to you whether you believe those things or if you believe Michael Jaco or not. He's very kind. He answered a lot of questions, some tough questions as well. And we'll try to have him back on because there are some controversial things that I'd like to more directly ask him about. And, uh, you know, part of this week is really I'm not doing it because I'm getting paid. But, you know, I enjoy going to conferences. And my friend Brad Olson had mentioned there's a big conference up in Sedona this coming weekend, the 17th through the 19th. And so we had the woman that runs the conference, Suzanne Ross, on the show. Michael Jaco is going to be at the conference. We had him on. We've also got Brad Olson coming on again this week. He's going to, of course, be at the event. And tonight we have two other speakers who are going to be at the event. This is just a great opportunity, even though there are some controversial things, some questionable things, you know, we talk about here or there. We have on the show tonight John Polk. He'll be joining us in the second hour. And right now in the first hour, one of my favorite guests and someone who I've been friends with for a very, very, very long time, and uh, who, whose work I very much admire, Karen Dolman. Karen Dolman is with us on The Secret Teachings tonight. She'll be speaking this Friday at the Sedona Retreat, the Ascension Retreat up in Sedona, Arizona. Karen, how are you? I'm doing great, Ryan. It's always a joy to be with you. We always have a, we always have a good talk, don't we? And a good laugh. We do, whether it's in person or, and a lot of people look when we have a good laugh. We're both pretty pretty loud and pretty open about, <laughs> open about what we believe and what we think. Uh, but also, right. yeah, we, we have a good laugh here on the show, too. Yes. I'll never forget that. Uh, what was, Where did we go? We went out to eat one time in Phoenix, and we were both talking about how uh, we had some opinions and some views, and some people were looking at oh. us, but that was a good time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was actually in North Scottsdale, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. That was, in, uh, that was in Scottsdale a couple of years ago. Yep. And, and remember that time we got together also in Palm Springs and had a meal. Yes. It was probably before Contact in the Desert. We had some good laughs there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we have good laughs and also we have good conversations about all sorts of things. Uh, tonight, we can talk about the Ouija board, of course. What are you going to be discussing this Friday, the 17th at the conference, at the retreat? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I'm super excited, first of all, to be there. It's an honor. Great lineup of people. Um, <clears throat> some of my colleagues, and <clears throat> excuse me, um, some of my friends. But um, I'm going to be talking about uh, the higher self, the greater self, that part of ourself that is connected back to the divine. It's a very spiritual uh, type of talk. But I'm going to be also sharing with people how I began to make that contact with that aspect of myself. A lot of people would say, well, what is that? How do you, how do you get in touch with it? And why would you want to? And is that just you talking to yourself? And I'm going to be answering a lot of those questions and also explaining the value of being in touch with that part part of yourself that's like your greater self, higher self. And then afterwards, I'm going to also be teaching um, how to use the Ouija board in order to make this contact with yourself. So a lot of people think the Ouija board is used only to talk to the dead. Um, but no, you can actually use it to reach into different realms of consciousness or, or sentient beings. And, and you yourself are a sentient being. We all have a conscious awareness and you can tap that yourself. So I'm really trying to help people to think of this tool as a way to get creative inspiration and guidance from your, from your wisest self. You know that if you look all around the world, if you look into uh, Judaism and the Kabbalah, and if you look all the way over on the east part of the planet from our perspective here in the west, you find uh, the beautiful land of Japan, and you'll find the same stories in Japan that you'll find in the Middle East, you'll find also in large parts of Western civilization about the higher self. If you look at the, uh, the Golden Dawn, for example... A uh, large part of the Golden Dawn is based on the idea, based on the concept, the ritual, the ceremony, the magic of contacting your higher self. Even even some of the Crowley stuff was based on contacting your high, higher self. And in, for example, Shintoism in Japan, I've been talking a lot about this recently on the show. Uh, Shinto priests will tell you that the whole point of praying to the kami spirits, ancestral spirits, land spirits, uh, uh, more uh, some some of that are considered gods and goddesses like Amaterasu the sun goddess, you're actually communicating uh, not with a, a, an entity per se, you're communicating again with your higher self. When you pray to the kami in Japan, you're actually praying, in a sense, to your higher self. So whether it's in Japan or it's in the Middle East or it's in the West, whether it's Shintoism or the Golden Dawn, which really couldn't be much further removed, it's the same exact concept of what you're talking about. This is a universal idea and, and uh, a universal concept. Yeah, it's, it's been throughout the ages, as you just mentioned. It's also throughout the cultures, and they have different names for it. I mean, I like the name, um, we, we call it the Oversoul. So Ralph Waldo Emerson and his transcendentalist colleagues coined the term Oversoul. Yes, yes. And 19th century, right? And then we have other people like the, the, the some philosophers or psychologists, we call it the trans, transcendent or transcendental self. There's, a, there's many different names, and I'm just talking, that's modern, more modern time. But as you mentioned, some of these cultures that go way back, uh, Shintoism or the, the religion practice, or even the Golden Dawn, which is more relatively new, but it's based on some old practices from Egypt and older times before that, they were working to make contact with this wise self. In fact, um, you can go back to like Plato, where he had his own daemons he spoke to, and he said, he said, it felt like it was external, but it felt like it was a a greater part of me too. It was a greater part of myself that would come forward and give me guidance of what not to do. It never told me what to do, but it told me what not to do. And I thought that was a very like interesting intuition. thing because correct. So instead of calling maybe intuition or the gut response, or I just got a gut knowing he was calling it like an inner daemon. Yes. So there's so many different terms that we will hear for this um, type of interaction. But I find 
that when you start making this contact, it's like almost as if the world opens up in a plethora of synchronicity. And, I, and I'm going to be talking about that too during my talk, and we can get into that some of that right now as well. But it's interesting when you start making these connections within yourself to maybe tapping into this, let's call it your superpowers. I like to call it that too. Um, Cause it is your intuition. It is your gut feeling. It is your ability to just kind of know or to have an understanding or have some inspiration or an epiphany that, it, that when you could start tapping into that, you just start using that in very practical, meaningful ways in your life. And where superpowers now become part of your regular existence. And the way the higher self, this greater self, the wiser self likes to talk to us is typically through a more mythopoetic realm. And what I mean by that, it's more in images or it could be in maybe poems or, or ruminations or waking dreams or, or sleeping dreams. It comes in some interesting forms, but it tends to be symbolic a lot in nature. You know, it's really interesting you mentioned that, but I guess for me, it's a synchronicity. I've been studying, uh, Eastern religions, and I've been studying uh, Japanese, the language itself, and Japanese oh. uses a lot of kanji from from China, you know, the very, very symbolic characters that for most people, mm -hmm. they just look like scribbles and they don't really have any meaning. But when you when you study the language, one of the first things you learn is that not only you have to learn the hiragana and the katakana, which is the Japanese script, but you have to learn the kanji, which is the Chinese. And there's so much of that, it, it, it feels completely impossible. And the one thing that, the, again, that first thing that you learn is that the kanji, all these symbols that, you know, I used to think was like, a, it looked like a computer error or something when I would see it on the internet. I thought it was an error. <laughs> uh, those, those symbols, the reason that Eastern people tend to think a little different, especially Chinese, Japanese, et cetera, they have a different mindset, is because those symbols, they function on a different part of the brain. They're much more right-brained in the East mm -hmm. than we are in the West. And it has a lot to do with symbols uh, and it has a lot to do with the way that we uh, interpret symbols. I mean, sure, you know, our language, Karen, is definitely symbols too. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Those are symbols, uh, but they convey a specific meaning, although they might have a few interpretations depending on the, you know, the context. When you're talking about kanji, it's not really a word. It's a concept. It's a symbol that mm -hmm. could literally mean hundreds of different things depending on, you know, the way that it's drawn, depending on the, the context that it's in. So the, you still have context, but the brain works a little bit differently in the West and, and as opposed to the East. Just what you said made me think of that. Uh, and it's kind of synchronistic because that's one thing I'm, I'm just learning studying kanji, uh, the difference between the way that we perceive those types of things. That is, that is super fascinating. And yes, I, I, I love the characters because they are like, they're, they're images in themselves. They are some symbolic. And like you said, they can mean, mean different things, but in relationship to the other symbols, it starts to change what the, or helps expand what that meaning is. So I'm not, not that I study it, but I've always been fascinating with, fascinated with, um, first of all, the books are read differently than our books are read. They're written differently from the, from the opposite side <laughs> than we would read. We go what left to right or, is that right? Am I saying it right? Yeah. Go left, so right go to left, right. we turn the pages. They do it the opposite way and start in the back. And I thought, I was on a plane. I was flying to, well, flying to Hong Kong. I was on my way to go to a trip to Malaysia. Uh -huh. And I watched this gentleman in front of me with his characters reading. And it was, you know, so, amazing. I was just so, reading these books. And <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but some people actually in magic, I learned this in, I want to say it was uh, Levi, Eliphas Levi, but I can't recall exactly what the book was. But they said that a lot of magicians will write on the left page from left to right, 
And then on the right page, they'll write from right to left. So they kind of combine the two types of writing styles. And the reason they do that is because they magicians believe you should always write toward the heart. So you should write from left to right inward toward the heart. And then you should write from right to left inward toward the toward the heart. If you're writing like a notebook uh, or if you have, you know, a, a book itself, it should be left to right and then right to left because you want to bring everything into the heart, into the central part of the body where the soul is. I thought that was fascinating. That's beautiful. I never heard that before. And, and that brought back a memory. When I was young, my older brother, he has a very high IQ. I mean, it's like off the charts. And he would write backwards. You could only read it in a mirror. He could do it fluently. He was also left-handed. So he was, when I say backwards, not the way a right-handed person was leaning towards the right. He was writing all leaning towards the left. And he wrote towards the left instead of writing towards the right on a page. And I was like, what is this? And he just said, well, it's just natural for me to do this. And I thought, you have to train yourself. He said, no, <laughs> I can easily, quickly, he just did it all the time. I'm almost, my mom was saying to him, you know, you can't be doing this in school. You know, they're all worried about his learning, but he, he could do it. He could flip it if he needed to. But his words would stay so lean to the left because he, and he's also left-handed. But you're, I love that you brought up the part about the symbolism, the symbolic nature of the Japanese characters in the writing and even the Chinese too. And, uh, a lot of Middle Eastern, or not Middle Eastern, Far East uh, cultures and the way they write their script and stuff. It's interesting because it is a left brain a process to deal with symbolism, to deal with the mythopoetic realm I was mentioning where the higher self works from. So I teach people to get into the higher self to make that connection with my spirit guides. They call it plugging into the outlet of the higher self in very common terms, simple terms, I should say, because we all can imagine a cord plugging into an outlet. You know, if you plug in it's something that runs on electricity, right? So they talked about that, but they said you get into the right brain, which is more of the creative brain. Yes. So you yes. have to really start thinking on that level. So I always teach people to do journaling, work with their dreams, the waking dreams, lucid dreams, sleeping dreams. I teach them how to do anything with art because it takes you out of that, just the talking as we're doing right now, it takes you out of that literal Western way of seeing things, the left brain, very methodical into more of this, you know, it might be spiral-like. or And that's how the higher self works. That's how it comes in. And you get used to being in that realm more. If you get more comfortable with it, you start hearing more of the messages of the higher self. And that doesn't, I mean, um, this is a question for you. That doesn't demean the, by a higher self, you'd infer that there's a lower self. That doesn't demean the lower self, though, right? It, it's all one part uh, just broken into well, segments so we can understand it. How would you describe it? Though I do want to talk about the lower self because if you have a higher self, there must be a lower self. And we live in the in the world of dualism. There's always a, a this or that, up or down, right? So, we, so that's what the third dimension is about. We live in this realm of positive, negative, and not that negative is bad. So we, we we get we start thinking that way. So the lower self would be that of the physical nature, that of me that's that's here talking to you in the corporeal existence, sitting here in my chair as we're having this conversation. That is the lower self, and not making it negative. It's just the self that's the ego. It's the self that is here with my impulses and my my interactions with people, and also my uh, maybe my my knee jerk reactions at times, or my ability to think. I mean, it has to do with being here physically. Well, the higher self is that part of us that's not contained by just the physical. It goes into the other dimensions. So I I will be talking about the lower self and the higher self and my talk. I'm bringing this more into view to not, so we can get out thinking, you know, negative, positive, that's bad or good, which is to say that's a part of the human experience. And the spirit guides used to tell me this quite often, 
and I'll still tell to my clients to say when they come to me for readings, they, they will say, you know, don't get outside of being a human. You came here and that's a beautiful experience to have to be in that physical realm because that's really where the higher self gets to project itself through the mechanisms of my body, my corporeal existence to experience and evolve in this realm of three dimension, which is the lower self. So it's like you need that. You came here for it. So don't think that you need to get into this higher realm all the time because you're really here to be in that other realm. So it's kind of a way just to kind of um, associate or to give an example of how to view this greater, grander, wiser self as opposed to the self that's more, uh, you know, the mechanisms of my body. And that's contained by my six senses, where the higher self is not contained by six senses. You start getting into things such as talking about learn to, here's an example with the guides would teach people, and you talked about the heart earlier, so this is really beautiful. Um, Molly, you just come just to the talk with me because you've got the same stuff to tell. <laughs> <laughs> you, say, you just be part of, get on stage with me, right? I mean, seriously, I'm not, pull you up. I'm not banned from this conference. They, I got a, I got a, a, a special guest pass, so I, I could do that if I was able to get up there in time, yeah. You get up there in time, I'll just say, <laughs> hey, give us, get, get up here and get with me. Let's do this talk because this is where it needs to go. It needs to go into the heart. And so what the guides teach, and I find myself talking about this more and more, is saying learn to hear with the ears of your heart. Learn to see with the eyes of your heart. You know, well, I don't have ears and, and, and uh, ability to hear or see. But if that's not really true. That's just words I'm using. The reality is the heart, and this is per heart math, the group who does a lot of research on the, on the vibration of the heart with the um, Schumann's resonance and the earth vibration as well, they talk about how the heart, your body can feel it through the heart first. They actually call, it's almost like they call it a little brain. Yes. It has like yes. a lot of the same, yeah, same, same uh, kind of a reaction the brain would have, but the heart feels it first. So your body feels things before your brain even has a chance to respond. So there is something about this heart energy and that is where what I've learned is how I make these connections with my higher self. This, and in fact, that's how I make my connections to the spirit guides too. This is a cornerstone of religious uh, iconography and symbolism. You always see Jesus Christ with mm-hmm. the heart and they tell you, I went to Baptist school and they always told me that in order to uh, be saved from you know your your original sin, you have to let Jesus into your heart. And there's a lot of things that I'm not picking on Christianity. I'm just using Christianity as an example. When they say Jesus needs to come into your heart or follow in Jesus' mm-hmm. footsteps. I mean, following in Jesus' footsteps is following what Jesus represents. He represents the way, the truth, the light. And this is a, a term, the way, that is used in virtually every single culture. It's even in pop culture now. If you watch The Mandalorian, the Star Wars show, they, they say this is the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the way of Isa, which is uh, Amaterasu in Japan. There's the way of... Uh, following in the footsteps of Christ in Egypt, where you would be resurrected from the tomb like Lazarus. You'd be following the, literally following, physically following the priest out of the temple. Uh, and you would be in that in that scenario, you'd be born again, just like a born-again Christian, rebirth. Or uh, you, you and I both like Freddie Silva. He talks about living resurrection. He wrote a book on it. Mm-hmm. All of these things have to do, going back to what you said about the ego, all of them have to do with the ego. And when you read like medieval uh, grimoires or when you read about black magic and they talk about things like human sacrifice, it's actually a code. Although some people certainly do those things and that continues to this day, human sacrifice isn't killing somebody. Human sacrifice is sacrificing the ego and what the ego is and what sacrifice really is, is giving up something you enjoy, getting rid of the ego, 
by means of giving up, you know, certain things that um, are fueling the ego. When you can sacrifice those things, when you can kill the ego, you've committed a human sacrifice, but it's not a physical sacrifice. It's a sacrifice internally. And that is in the mysteries and in the secret teachings, how you connect with the higher self or how you become more conscious of the higher self or how you're able to uh, merge with the higher self, if that makes sense. Uh, it absolutely does. And, and so I, I took a few notes when you were speaking because um, this happens a lot when, when Ryan and I talk. We, we start going off in these directions. We, we both talk fast and... And, well, and there's a lot to say. <laughs> a lot to say, yeah. <laughs> and I love we it. read a lot and we study a lot. Right, I do too. So there is a religion actually out there called The Way. And it, it's, um, it's more of a fundamentalist kind of Christian path, but they actually it's called The Way. And I love that you were talking about the heart with, with Christianity in terms of Catholicism, especially with Hispanic Catholicism, they talk about the sacred heart. And you'll see a lot of imagery around the heart with the thorns on it, the Jesus Christ heart. And if you think about it, when, when people die more naturally, they say they died of a heart attack. Because the last, you could be brain dead and still be alive. It's when your heart ends, that's when your life stops. There's so much here with the heart. The heart really is, especially in our chakras and our bodies, there's a lot of chakras. Let's just talk about the seven chakras. The heart is considered the central chakra. You got three above and three below. There's this whole, then there's the Kabbalah, we got the tree of life. There's a lot centered around the heart. They gave us codes, and you're absolutely right. They gave us codes, and the code word here is heart that many are talking about, or that region of your body, even the chakra of it, that allows you to make these connections. And heart, you know, and you it can really actually. Is a spiritual you, connection. You can literally die of heartbreak. Mainstream medicine now, not that we can put much, oh, yeah. much faith in it, but mainstream medicine even acknowledges something that otherwise is considered very spiritual or very new age. Broken heart syndrome is a real identifiable condition. You, you die of that. Animals die of that. Humans die of that, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely so. So the, the, just the importance of the heart is what we're stressing here and how you'll see it crossing all the cultures. And why is that so important? And we're giving some real reasonable reasons why it is that the, the science behind it, but also, you know, artistically or religious religiosity or theosophy or why there's all saying the heart is so important because there's something to this heart as opposed to just the science that here's the heart and it beats and then when it's and you die, there is all this stuff we see in, like you said, religious iconography or also in the secret teachings or sacred teachings they talk about the heart. So yeah, you're going to see this repeat itself in different kinds of religions and different kinds of following. It's everywhere. I mean, in fact, the word Shinto, she means true and to means way. It means the true way or the way of the kami. It's the same exact. And Japan has been isolated from the world for most of human history uh, up until relatively recently around our civil war here in America, the 1860s, the Meiji restoration, uh, Japan has been completely isolated. So the fact that those people there, if we're to believe conventional history had the same ideas that people in the middle East had and uh, our founding fathers had, you know, following the way drawn on the divinity of God to create this new nation. uh, It it shows you that there's a universal golden thread connecting all of, all of this uh, across the world, across languages and barriers of culture, et cetera etc etc i'm ryan gable this is the secret teachings karen real quick what is your website we're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back karen a dolman.com karen a dolman.com it gets you to anywhere that i am on social media and that's dolman d-a-h-l-m-a-n karen a dolman i'm ryan gable this is the secret teachings there's a lot more after this with karen and then of course we have john polk coming up in the second hour 
www.thesecretteachings.info is our website. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. From parahistory and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. I hope you find it enlightening. You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Karen A. Dahlman is our guest this evening, a good friend of mine and a good friend of the show. Karen is going to be at the Sedona Ascension Retreat this weekend, March 17th through the 19th in Sedona, Arizona. I will also be there. I won't get there until Saturday. But if you're in the area or if you're already going to the event, come say hello to me. Come say hello to Karen. Karen, you'll be giving a talk on Friday, correct? Yeah, Friday at, let's see, 9.45. I'm up, second person up on the stage. I'll be on the Ascension stage. And I will be speaking from 9.45 to 10.30. And at 11 o'clock to 12.30, an hour and a half, I'll be teaching how to use a talking board in order to make these contacts that I'll be talking about during my talk, such as reaching out and talking, reaching out and being able to have communication. I mean, direct communication you can literally receive from your higher self. And that's what I'll be talking about and teaching. Are you going to be doing any sort of Ouija board demonstration or utilizing the board at your booth? I'm, I'm wondering. Um, I. No, I won't be using them at the booth, but I in, in the workshop I will. So I'll be using okay. it with you. If you, anybody joins me, I'll sit down with you to so make sure you can learn to use it, and also give you you know t- pointers and tips on how to use it. Because I've been using the board for fifty years. Ryan, it's fifty years this year. That's all fifty I've been years, it. and Isn't I've, that crazy? I, I've known you since you were doing it for like what? How many years? Forty-one or something. We've known each other forever. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I think so. I mean. Um, I, we go back to, I think, 2012 or 13 when I first came out. 
Yeah, I was on yeah. you and Mike Mikey D show. So that Mike was, that was D, at least that's 10 years right. ago. Yeah, Mike D and I when you yeah, we did those those were fun shows back in the day. Mike D found me, I think. It brought me to your show. We had a great conversation about the sun and moon. Do you remember that? Yes, yes, he did. Mike D are for those of you who don't know, our longtime co-host. He's the one that actually found Karen and, and set us up for radio all those years ago, over a decade. Now I feel old. I've never really felt old, but now yeah, I feel old. Yeah, and you went you're becoming seasoned, you are old. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so listen, when you were talking about the heart, I, I, I'm telling you guys, I'm taking notes over here because so many things in my mind are just coming up to the surface. I love that when you have a good conversation with somebody, you get triggered to think of more ideas. So this goes way back. So I, it was my first job. I, I always worked for myself, but when I first got out of graduate school, I actually took a job at a hospital. It was a residential treatment facility, and I was the resident art therapist. Now, I went to graduate school to become an art psychotherapist and I that was my first job and I worked there for a couple of years so I went off on my own but anyway so I was looking for outreach programs to do with with the, with the children the adolescents that were there because my goal was to help them heal and become functioning and whatever their issues were like some of it was um you know some mental health issues and some was more learning disabilities and stuff but I would work with using art again getting into the right brain they could start affecting different kinds of change in their body as opposed to just talking about their issues. So I was looking for programs to go to. Maybe we might go on some field trips. Maybe we might go do some murals and stuff like that. So I reached out to this coordinator at some, I think it was a hospital, but they had a really cool program. And I said, hey, I, I want to um, get information on your program. And she says, well, well t- you know, tell me more about what you're doing. And I said, I'm the art therapist at San Marcos Treatment Facility in Texas, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, I'll send you a package of information. So about two weeks later, this package comes in the mail. Everything back then, you guys, was snail mail. We had no, we had no, we had no email. So it was the old-fashioned way. Comes in the mail and it says, Karen Dahlman, heart therapist. Heart therapist, not art, heart. I go, and they go, I think this is you. And I go, I guess it is. Like H-A-R-T? Yeah. Okay. H-E-A-R-T. Think about it. Art is inside of the word heart. And so is the word ear. So I was teaching people to listen to themselves through their heart, through the art. And I, she I'd say I that's very thinking. synchronistic. Wasn't that beautiful? And I go, and I, I, I remember that. And I took that with me all along because that was when I first started really realizing to get to the, the issue of whatever somebody's presenting when my clients were coming to me that had, um, you know, like I said, some mental health issues are getting work being helped with, or learning disabilities, or whatever their diagnosis was in the DSM three back then. It's like I realized for me, my role was to help them get into their heart and to hear and see things differently, more from a heart space, which was the art that got them into the heart. Instead of just oh, I can talk about this and I'm fine and I feel better. And no, the art would never lie. So I was like, okay, I'm a heart therapist. That's what I am. I'm a heart therapist. <laughs> this is yeah, you don't spiritual heart surgery. There's something, Correct. there's certainly something to be said about the nature of intuition as a sixth sense, as, as you know, most of you listening to this show, you, you know me very well and you know that I'm, I don't like, I don't like a lot of labels in the sense of like skeptical or conspiracy theorists and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of a lot of things that sound new age or a lot of things that sound woohoo or whatever you choose to call them, whatever word or whatever phrase but when it comes to something like intuition, this is a very real thing that I experience on a daily basis, and I I attribute it to uh, the, all the books that I read and having to focus on this radio show, and most of the time doing the whole show myself. I don't always have a guest, as you know. So when I 
Like for example, Karen, I think I've told you this before. When I'm 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 learning something, usually from a listener, they'll send me an email and say, "Hey, did you know this?" Uh, something really kind of profound. I'm thinking, "No, I didn't know that. That's really fascinating." And then for some weird reason, I just get this weird feeling, like this intuition to pick up a, a book that I have in my little library here, a book that I've ever read. And this happens all the time. I'll pick the book up and I'll be flipping through it. And I won't really be thinking of what this listener had said to me. This happened recently. And I'll open the book up and there on the first page or the second page is the same topic that I didn't know anything about that the listener had just said, hey, you should check this out. And this happens all the time to me. And you could say it's coincidental, but it's a feeling of like something moving me, if you will, to grab that book that I've not read yet, to pick it up, to open it. And and then, oh my God, that's exactly what I was just told to look at. Didn't even think about it. Someone just said, hey, you should look this up. And then I coincidentally, if you can call it that, found it in a book that I already had that I was planning to read. That kind of a thing happens all the time. I think that is kind of an intuition, that feeling of like wanting to reach for something, wanting to do something. Uh, People call that automatic writing. And we do that not just with physical writing utensils, but we do that with our keyboards on our computers as well. And that's kind of, it's almost like the keyboard is a Ouija board as well. (laughs) It is. And I'm going to, I'm going to go a step further and call that synchronicity. It is synchronicity too. Yes. Trust your intuition and you start to trust again, that gut response I was talking about earlier. We might call it that. I got a hunch. I got my gut tells me this is not right. Or, oh, God, I'm going to go pick up this book. You don't even think about it. You're just doing it sometimes. It becomes automatic, like you said, automatic, right? It becomes automatic. Even typing, you don't think about where every letter is if you've learned typing on a keyboard. Um, but the, the bottom line is, is that it is, that's, that's the way, okay, I'm going to call it the pathway, the gateway, the key, if you will, to open the door to the higher self. It's, the higher self is not something, oh, it's so far out there, it's so auspicious, I can't reach it or obtain it. No, it's something that's within you. And it's very simple to make those connections. But to stay connected is where it becomes kind of hard at times. Because we get caught up in our lower self, the ego self, the life, which we're supposed to be. That's not a bad thing. It's just saying we can't live over on this area all the time. Well, the hunches and intuition, it's like we got to do other things as well. So there's a nice balance that happens. But I believe when you're talking about intuition, you're talking about that part of you, that spark of you, Spirit, soul, that part of you that's so much bigger than you are is guiding you automatically and saying, let's pick up this book. And you know what? And then Even watch the synchronicities unfold. Very true. And, and a lot of very religious people that might disagree with this idea, especially the Christians that for some reason recently have had an issue with me here on The Secret Teachings. The Oh, you? I, that's hard uh, to believe. Well, the thing is, I grew up a Christian and I actually kind of live a Christian <laughs> I lifestyle. And I don't, I just because I don't say that, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I don't say those exact words with a specific in, intonation. I guess that makes me a bad person. But the point is, even Christians have a word for that. They call it, you know, God. They say, God, show me a sign. Give me a sign. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, they pray to their gar- holy guardian angel, which is very golden dawn. Uh, it's just like the same thing with, uh, you know, th- we talked about the way earlier, a concept in virtually every culture. Christians have the same idea, follow in the footsteps of Jesus, follow in the footsteps of Buddha, follow in the footsteps of Muhammad. It's the same, it's, it's the same thing everywhere. We just call it different things. We have different names for it. We have different ways to perceive it. We're all talking about the same experience, I think. Yeah, I think we are. And we're, just, we're putting into a framework within our culture or with our context of, of our own experience. And that's really important to think about that way. We can't, you yes, can't always is. take something out of a culture or the context. You can't and say, okay, this works over here. It's like somebody going, I'm going to go do ayahuasca and I'm going to go do it by myself in my backyard. 
you really should be part of the system that leads up to why you're doing this journey with this plant medicine. And really this plant medicine will tell you that. There's a whole preparation and a journey around it. It's not just going to get high. But that's, <laughs> we, we have, I, I give an extreme example like that because that's part of what we're talking about here. It's like instead of judging somebody for how they're saying it, we're all kind of saying something similar, but in the context of what our own filters and beliefs and our own system is. I'm so glad that you said that because this is a pet peeve of mine. The, you know, the idea, I'm not even going to say people, it's not a judgmental thing, but the idea that you can just go and do a bunch of drugs and, oh, I'm going to connect with aliens or my higher self. I find that to be utter nonsense and I find it to be incredibly irresponsible. I'm glad that you said that. Well, I used to work on a Native American reservation back when I was trained to become an art therapist. It was the Akima Sky City right outside of Albuquerque, and I drive out there once a week, and I spend my whole day there with another art therapist, Monyunzu, to, well, my thesis was on Native American population with alcoholism and art therapy, because that was the, that was the people we were working with that had, there's high levels of alcoholism, and part of it is because of uh, their, um, their uh, sensitivity to alcohol, but also just the, the lifestyle and what's happened um, to their culture and stuff, and there's many reasons, but anyway, so I'd go out there, and um, the, the whole idea was I, I was starting to hang out with some people that worked there, and I was getting to know um, other colleagues, workers, and I started getting invited to their feast days, which is a very sacred um, thing. And you, and you, they didn't bring outsiders in unless you were, you knew somebody well or you were considered part of the family. So I was invited to some of these feast days, and w- what I learned from their cultures that when they did specific rituals, because they're very ritualistic in many ways, and they will practice some of their old traditions. And I was learning about uh, some of the, that that was, that was uh, Pueblo Indians, but I was also learning about the Navajo nation, a different mixture of Native Americans there. But I was learning about the, the, the peyote ceremony and how that needed to be done with this reverence, this sacredness and, and how people that end up getting sicker, die and they do they just go and do this without understanding the whole ritual behind it so i really that really opened my eyes at a young age like i was 23 24 doing this and learning i didn't do peyote but i was learning about their the, the respect for the for their medicines the plant medicines and when these were used and even their their feasts and and the foods and the crops and how there's this whole system and ritual in place around it, it wasn't just i'm gonna go chow down and eat or i'm just gonna go take a peyote button it was this, what is the meaning behind it? And, uh, am I ready? And it was like, yeah, there's a whole ceremony. So that's, that we have to think about that when you're doing these things in different cultures, for sure. I imagine, Karen, and I'm pretty sure that this is the case, that you also look in the same capacity, everything you just explained, you also look at the Ouija board in the same way. It's something that you have reverence for. It's something that you treat obviously as a tool it's not something like anything else to be fooled around with and just played around with as much you know you have fun doing it but it's not something that's just there to you know to get high with if you will (laughs) right or to go in a dark room and try to scare myself i mean you guys look i started at the age of eight and of course i did uh try most things as a younger as a younger kid just not really understanding what i was doing but um i would have to say um just the nature of who i am which led me into become a therapist, a licensed counselor and an art therapist. And, and the stuff that I do today, I still pull that forward and I use it with my clients. It's the idea that people are sacred and working with this energy, such as the higher self, this uh, sacred part of ourselves, this part of ourselves that reaches back to the divine, 
which you can talk about it more like a religious experience, or you can talk about it more as a, as a uh, theoretical experience. But there's a part of us that's so much greater and wiser and more knowing. And if we can meet that part of ourselves and work with that part, because we have respect for it, and we're going to welcome that part of ourselves forward, it, it kind of gets into some of the archetypes that Carl Jung would talk about, or the collective unconscious, we all tap into it. But it's having respect to that. And then you can start having these conversations and communications. But if when we don't, and we're just being silly willy-nilly with the board, uh, jovial with it, it's like that's when we find ourselves creating projections, total soft forms, or drawing energies to us that may not be of our best interest. And that's with the plant medicine too. Do it respectfully, or you could go into it and be really sick because you're not uh, treating it with respect. I completely agree. And I think that we could apply this to, we have a lot of listeners, I'm sure that are truck drivers, a lot of listeners that work in grocery stores, a lot of listeners that might be teachers, live all over the world. You know, everybody listening, you know, you have a different job, you have a different lifestyle, et cetera. So you all come together, you listen to a show like this, you listen to me, I can give you an example of myself, but you can apply this to your life as well. When I sit down to do a radio show, Karen, I rarely, rarely ever prepare it in the sense of having a script and knowing what I'm going to ask and Mm -hmm. talk to my guest about. Because when I do that, I feel that the show is just awful because it doesn't feel to me as it's sincere or that it's natural or that it's organic. And that feeling of being sincere and natural and organic is what makes, in my view, a really, really good broadcast, a really good show as I've kind of honed my my skill over the last 14 or so years. And you can apply that same idea to whatever it is that you do, whether you realize it or not. And, and that's kind of the thing. You probably don't realize it. If you're really good at what you do, you don't think about it. You just do it. Mm-hmm. It's like an instinctual right. thing. It becomes an extension of you. And that is, you know, it's muscle memory. It's things that are subconscious in the brain, but all of those things, the unconscious, subconscious and conscious minds, you put it all together. And, and you're really talking about call it the higher self or whatever you choose to call it, the oversoul, that thing, whatever that is, combined with the, you know, the subconscious, with the muscle memory, with the brain and all of these things, because it's all one one thing that we break down into little pieces so we can understand it. Uh, that's what it really is. And, and that could, again, if you're a truck driver or if you're stocking shelves at a grocery store, if you're good at what you do, it doesn't matter what it is, it becomes an extension of you. And I think that's really when the soul, in a sense, kind of activates. But there, you know, there obviously is also a difference between that and people that kind of get into a rut and that can kind of be negative. So there's a difference between those kinds of things. And it has, it also involves trust, trusting. Okay. So we're talking about the radio show and, and I do the same thing too. I, I don't really write things down before I get on stage either. I, I, I read, I, I get my notes together in my mind. I might take some notes myself when I get up there. I, I just let it come out as it's going to come out yes, <laughs> because it's, yes. it's coming from the heart. Yeah. Okay. So because I trust the other thing is, is that I don't, fear let's say I let's say I think I falter or I'm gonna fail or I, or I didn't say it the way I wanted to I just let that go and I don't worry about it so there's a, there's that aspect of that too and when you're passionate about something you do it's like that just flows through as well and, and so I tr- when I'm trying to teach these concepts it's like then I have to find words that we all can maybe agree upon and so that's why I will use words like the higher self or the wiser self or the oversoul you know, because it's like, then we can, okay, now we all have a definition. Now we all have a word. Although I would say, take it and make it your own. People may call what I'm talking about being more in touch with your clair senses, clair audience, clairvoyance, clairsentience, clair, clair, what's the word? <laughs> Olfactory. Um, there's just so many different clair senses we have, which are more like your ability to reach into the other realm. So if I start talking using those terms, then we might understand more what I'm talking about. But people may call that the same as the higher self. So it's just, it's a matter of um, 
trust in that, or, or, number one, I want to say believing, believing you can make contact with something that has a, a wise picture or uh, guiding factor within our life, within ourselves, and then allowing it to emerge, regardless of what you call it. I like to call it my superpowers tool, too, because everybody talks about, you know, superpowers and, and all these, you know, characters on TV shows and movies, but don't, we have those. We have those superpowers. We really do. So it's just that, yeah, terminology um, can sometimes get, get us caught up in, into it, but I also try to keep it more open and saying, you know, what, what words are used to describe yes. this feature I'm talking and about? And that's, that's, so, right? that's so important. That's what I like to do here on this show because there are certain words I personally don't like. Like I don't like using the word superpower. I don't like using the word ascension, but I understand those things as being real in a sense, depending again on how you define it. Like for me, that's really important to define the word, but you don't necessarily need to define the word uh, if you feel it, if you experience it and you and you understand what it is that you're dealing with. But that's just, you know, uh, my personal opinion as opposed to someone else's opinion, et cetera. Uh, Karen, we've only got about 10 minutes left here. So I wanted to tap the brakes. Uh, I wanted to ask you w- one more time at the end, we'll mention your talk on Friday. Uh, it's in Sedona, Arizona. Uh, just a couple of hours north of Tucson. Now, we have a lot of listeners in Tucson and Phoenix, so if you're going to be in the area, uh, if you've already bought a ticket, of course, go see Karen's talk on Friday. I'll give you a second to mention that again. But I wanted to ask you about the the new book that you have, and if you can kind of describe, based on this new book, which is, if I understand it correctly, sort of channeled, but not channeled in the way that some people might think. It was more so channeled through uh, a companion of yours, Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I do have a new book uh, that just got just just been released, and I'm going to hard release it at the conference. And it's it's a it's a lovely poetic story about um, the the experience, the the unconditional love between a, a furry friend and a, a human being. And so the story is called "When Cats Had Wings." And it's a beautiful story. And so you guys, uh, one of the things I teach is I was talking about tapping into the higher self. I also teach how to do spirit communication. You know, you may believe it's that after people transition, you can communicate with them. But I also talk about tapping into the sentience of a being, which could be alive or it could be in another realm. And the higher self kind of goes between both realms. It goes into the unseen dimensions, and it also goes into the physical, like I was mentioning, our lower self, is the earth plane. So I, and you guys, I'm sure many of you do this too, you might be really good with plants, you might be really good with pets. You might be really good with nature. And you feel like, yeah, the tree makes you feel better. Or you're, you know when your dog needs something. Or you understand your cat. So one day, I was sitting on the floor and I was petting one of my cats. At this point, I had three cats. And, I, and by the way, Ryan, you met, you met these cats. This is the black and white one. Yes. His name is Jack. And he had a really abusive background. So I would have to be really calm with him and just go sit with him and I called him the bedroom kitty. He'd like to stay in his bedroom and not come through the house. He felt safe back there. So I'd go in the bedroom and sit with him and just petting him on the floor one day. And I heard these words uh, come into my mind. And I was like, what? And I was like, this is weird. I know they're not mine. I was thinking about something different. But the words were this. It, it said, can I tell you the story when cats had wings? And it said, cats are angels in furry disguise. Can I tell you? And I went, what? So one of the things I teach. Do you think you were going crazy? To, not really, because my <laughs> you know my experiences. <laughs> but I was still like, that's not that was not my voice. But then again, you guys, I do talk to my spirit guys. Okay, so I do I, I do hear things in my mind. 
Um, and I also have heard the voices out uh, externally in terms of the universe speaking. That's a whole other story. We can go down that rabbit hole another day. But so I heard this and, and I got on the Ouija board a little bit later with one of my par- board partners. And sure enough, Jack said, hey, that's my story. I want to tell it. And that's my cat. who's very much alive. But I do teach how to do animal communication because basically you're just tapping into a consciousness. And I, I make it sound so easy, but I'm going to be teaching how to do that. Once you tap into your higher self, and I'm teaching at this conference this weekend. Once you tap into your higher self, it's like once you learn to do that, you could start tapping into other sentient beings. And so this book I wrote with Cats and Wings was, was the story that Jack told me telepathically and also on the board. And then I took the liberty to put into a poetic verse kind of fashion. But it was his storyline. And it is the sweetest, cutest story. I'm getting great reviews on it. Um, he, he, he now Jack is in spirit. He's been in spirit for a few years now, and he finished the story while he was in spirit. He started while he was in the third dimension with us physically, and then he finished it in, um, in spirit. Is this a? So f- it's, just, it's a sweet book. It's is a this sweet, a sweet feeling? Story. So, so you say you hear these words. I actually un- I understand what you're saying. I'm, I, I want to kind of break this down because people hear that and it sounds maybe outrageous or it sounds ludicrous or whatever the case is. But when you, you hear something like that and you've had a lot of experiences as have I, it might, maybe it doesn't freak you out. Like it might freak some people out, but as you continue to, to hear those things or you, you went through and, and you were writing this book, uh, also doing things through the board itself, uh, the Ouija board yeah. that is, are, are, is this like almost an intuitive automatic writing kind of a thing where it, it's not that you're like, okay, what's next? all right, I'll write that down. All right, what's next? Is it that, or is it more of like, uh, this is what's happening. I'm just going to write as I feel. And then I'm going to use what comes through the board and, and, and add that to the book. Could you kind of just break that down a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was, for me, it was a little bit of a struggle because Jack had told me three different versions of the story. And, and I realized he was telling me his past story of, of this abusive man that he lived with. And I met the guy and I knew who the guy was. And I took the cats away and I said, oh, I'm never coming back to this place ever again. And Jack started telling me the story of what would happen there. Then he started telling me a story about, I want to make a statement to people to not be cruel to animals, to not be cruel to cats, especially. And then after he got those two stories out to me through the board and through telepathy, he gave me this final story, which is the one we wrote about. And it was, it, he, it's like he had to go through a process and I had to go through that myself, which is, Jack, I can't, I, this can't be a children's story when you talk about a man beating up cats and kicking them. He's like, I know, but I need to tell this part of the story too. And it was like an uncovering for him to get through that emotional stuff to be able to tell this beautiful story. And so when he was in spirit, uh, we didn't finish the story. And that's when he started telling me this part of the story about when cats had wings. And, and it's, it's just, it's, it's so enlight- enlightening but it's also very emotional and people reach, I've been reaching out to me and telling me how it makes them cry and makes them laugh and makes them remember things and feel things. And, and Jack lived that way on purpose. I know he did, but what happened for me, um, I was actually working. I was doing something a hundred percent different than, and I say working, working in my business in California where I'm a consultant for the telecommunication industry. I was doing that work and it was last August. And I was waking up early in the morning to go into the field to do the work that I do with utility poles. I, I, that's all I'll say. <laughs> Ryan knows what I'm talking about. I, anyway, um, I woke up that morning and I heard a phrase in my head. And I had been talking to Jack to the board at this point uh, uh, for a while now. And I was like, Jack, I don't know how to start your story. He goes, you're going to know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come to you soon and you'll know when, it, when you're ready, we'll write it. 
And it came to me. I woke up and I this is what I heard in my mind. Not too long ago, but within your distant past, lived a hierarchy of angels known as the winged kitty cats. I woke up with that saying going on in my head over and over. I took my phone out, tapped it out, put it away, went to do my work in the field, came back to Arizona where I live now, and I said, holy moly, that's the start of his story. It's supposed to be done in poetic fashion. These are the and kinds once of... once I got that... I'm sorry, go ahead. It flew out of me. Yeah, I was just saying, once you asked the question, did it fly out of me? Once I got that from him, and I know that was him coming to me through the dream that I was able to just, it just came out of me so quickly after that, just flew out of me. I've really refined my books over the years, my book, Occult Arcana. I've done some updates to it and I go back and I look through it and I realize there are a lot of things in this book that I really don't remember writing. I I feel like it was sort of channeled through me. You can take that to mean whatever it is that you take it to mean as with Karen's story, but I think for those of you who understand the concept, uh, if you're balanced in your approach to such ideas, uh, it actually makes a lot of logical sense in the same way that if you, you live with someone long enough, you start to, you know, you know their likes and dislikes and you can kind of sort of read their mind. Uh, these are certainly real abilities that all of us have. That's just a matter of how you define them and uh, how real, quote unquote, they actually are. Karen Dahlman, thank you so much for joining us on the show. When Cats Had Wings, that's the new book. You'll be at the Sedona Conference. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. And if anybody does come out and you want to buy a last minute ticket, you can get 10% off by by tapping in Karen 10 one zero and you can get your tickets 10% off for whatever you want to come and see us on during this weekend. Fantastic. So thank you for having me, Ryan. Thank you everybody for listening and I'll see you this weekend, Ryan invite everybody else. I will see you this weekend. We'll have a good time up in Sedona. Thank you so much. All right. We have John. Thank you. Bye-bye, Karen. We have John Polk coming up next on the secret teachings. We've never had him on the show. It should be a fun conversation about UFOs. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on The Secret Teachings. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. From parahistory and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info.
Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! Listening to the Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. If you missed the last hour, Karen Dolman, our good friend, joined us to talk about the higher self or the oversoul, and of course, a little bit about the Ouija board. In this hour, hour number two, we normally don't have back to back guests on the same show, but tonight is a special edition of the Secret Teachings. We have John Polk with us for the next two segments, the next hour here on The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. And last but not least, outside of social media, check out our website, thesecretteachings.info, and you'll find all of my books, our subscription service, which is now being placed on aftermath.media. You can get the full show with Clyde's show on Ground Zero, And you can also find other little goodies in that subscription package and on our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. So we're going to cut right to the chase. John Polk is with us this evening. And John Polk has never been on The Secret Teachings before. We do know of each other. We've met each other before. It's amazing. We haven't done a show yet. But anyway, welcome to The Secret Teachings. And I... Uh, I want to welcome you to the show, and I wanted to ask if you could just give some people, including myself, a little bit of a background on what you do, John. Okay, so I live in Sedona, Arizona. I'm a master tour guide. I own a tour company, and you can find me at johnpolktours.com. That's J-O-H-N-T-O-U-R-S.com. And um, I get all the major UFO conferences anymore. It took me five years to achieve that status. But now I'm perhaps the biggest UFO guy in Sedona. Um, I'm close with all my competitors, but we're all good friends, which is a good thing. And uh, I also do ghost tours. I do medicine wheel tours. I do psychic vortex tours, history tours, scenic tours, pretty much any kind of tour that you can think of. I do a lot of retreats and I stay very busy. I work with four different companies, including myself. And uh, I've forged a really good niche here, and I'm just blessed to have the career that I have in Sedona, Arizona. And I think that uh, since you haven't been on the show before and you just mentioned a little bit of your background, I'm wondering if anybody's ever even asked you this. When you talk about a UFO tour, a ghost tour, something like that, what does that exactly mean? Does that mean you take people and you always find a ghost? Or does that mean that you take people and show them places that might be haunted? Or how, how does that kind of a thing work, John? 
Okay, well, as far as ghosts, what we'll do is we'll go to the cemetery, which is where Sedona, Arabella, Miller, Schneebly is buried. So a lot of people don't know, but Sedona was named in 1902 after a woman. And I'll take them to the cemetery where she's buried. And I have some ghost hunting equipment. I have what you call EMFs, which is electromagnetic frequency, picks up on electromagnetic frequency. And I bring flashlights also. And what I'll do with the flashlights is I'll turn them on, but I'll unscrew the head on the flashlight so that the battery's not quite connecting. And then I just start talking to the ghosts and I get my guests to do the same thing. And we don't tell them what to do. We ask them, you know, can you please turn the flashlight on? And more often than not, that they will turn the flashlight on. Sometimes not by command, but by request. I'll set up a number of different flashlights in the hottest hot spots in the cemetery. And I know exactly where they are. I'll set up at least three or four. And one is right by Sedona's grave. And so do we necessarily see ghosts? Well, I'm a medium. I see ghosts everywhere I look. Um, but more anything else, we want something to, to trip the EMF meter. So some kind of electromagnetic frequency. And then we use another app, which is free on iPhones. And I believe on Android called ghost radar. And what it does, it picks up on vibration frequency and it translates it into language. So we'll be walking around the cemetery. We'll set up the flashlight and, um, I'll just start talking to them. I mean, I'll literally just start talking to them and, Ghost Radar will start talking to us. So I have it on my phone. I have it on my iPad. So I'll give them my iPad and I'll just keep my phone. And at first, very often, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's kind of like a murder mystery. If you start listening to the words that are spoken, the more that you listen to it, it's like an Agatha Christie murder mystery. It starts to make sense. So, for example, I was um, at the big bar restaurant next to my house. And I have ghost radar. I'm just doing it just for giggles, just to see what will happen in the restaurant. And it says Alice. And I'm thinking it's a ghost named Alice. And my friend was like, no, that's not what it means. I'm like, well, what else could it mean? He said, I just took the Alice test, which is an acronym for something that has to do with paramedics. And so things like that happen. Um, one time I'm at the cemetery and it says London. And I had this, this married couple, they were young, whatever. And, uh, I said, Oh, it must be somebody from London. And the girl says, no, follow me. And I'm very psychic, but all of a sudden me and her husband are following her and she takes us to a grave that said London on it. So those kind of things happen. And more often than not, at least three fourths of the time, at least one, if not multiple flashlights will come on. And this is specific to the ghost tours. But I live in Sedona, so there's UFOs flying overhead all the time. And it's not unusual to see a UFO on a ghost tour, and we're not even looking for them. So this is not a gimmick or anything like that. And you've done this for a very, very long time, so you obviously know what you're doing in the field. Could you, could you speak to that? I would imagine that you, I'm just taking a guess here, you may, might have feelings on some of the ghost tours or UFO things. Not anybody or anything by name I'm thinking of but that are kind of gimmicky or that are kind of, you know, cons or scams or maybe just entertainment. Uh, do you have opinions or feelings on that? Cause I'm sure there's a bunch of them. Um, you know, pretty much everything you see on TV is let's just say sensationalized. Um, I don't necessarily want to get into names, Zach Baggins, um, <laughs> but <laughs> you can do it here. You can do it here. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it, a lot of it is just a big load. I'm just being honest with you. Um, 
And so, you know, it's funny because I have recordings. I record pretty much everything I do on any of my tours, whether it's ghost, UFO, psychic vortex, medicine wheel, etc. And I try to get the most human reaction at the heat of the moment to, you know, authenticate what I'm doing. And I have some recordings where I've had some people go, wow, I, I thought that was on a timer. I thought, I'm like, no, this is no gimmick. This is absolutely real. But most of what you see on TV is not real. Let's just go there. It's for the audience. And all the girls like Zag Bag and uh, whatever. In my mind, he's a, he's a total phony. Um, and most of them are. I'd like, I, I would challenge them to come out here and go to the cemetery with me and see what they can do. So I'm just, I, would, I would put that challenge out there to anybody. I want to, uh, the reason I bring that up, John, just so we're clear and also so the audience is clear, I like to look at things in layers. I like to, whether it's UFOs or ghosts, I like to break down the basics of it. So obviously, if you're talking about a vortex, which is a very popular thing, a very known thing in Sedona, or you're talking about ghosts and cemeteries and UFOs, these are very real things that can be scientifically analyzed. In fact, when you ghost hunt, as you're talking about, or when you look for UFOs and you investigate UFOs, even if you're you know, the government or just a group of people that go out and try to do it, you're using technology to do it. You're using cameras, you're using uh, you know, meters, et cetera. So it's very scientific in nature. That's the first level. The second level is understanding that, yeah, there's a lot of con artists, a lot of scammers, a lot of gimmicks, a lot of things that are just pure entertainment. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Some things that are a mix of both. Some things that are, you know, something completely different that I don't have a name for. And then you get to the next level and you just start, you keep breaking. I, I want to break things down so I can understand. That's why I ask you that question, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So most people that go on a ghost tour have been on multiple ghost tours. And I just do my ghost tour the way I explained that I do it first. And you have to, like you said, you have to apply science to this. Therefore, I do. And the technology is becoming easier and even less expensive, if not free. Like Ghost Radar is free on my iPhone. And it's a really cool app. And like I said, at first, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's like a murder mystery. You start putting clues together and it will start to make sense. So I try and authenticate everything that I do. And then I'm big on getting testimonials when I'm done. So real life experience and some compliments that I've been paid that made me feel very good about what I do is I had uh, a group of girls that went to Salem, Massachusetts, and they went on a ghost tour and it was largely just a history lesson. So they weren't really using the gadgetry. They weren't using the technology. They had some basic stuff, um, but nothing happened. Like no, no, nothing turned on the flashlights. They didn't use uh, the EMFs, they didn't use ghost radar that talks to you. I mean, it literally talks to you when you're doing your tour. They didn't use any of that. And they were kind of disappointed that it was more of a history lesson than it was a ghost tour. So I've had a number of people tell me that it was the best ghost tour that they'd ever been on. And that is the highest compliment that I could ever receive. And I take that humbly uh, because I know I'm not the only one that's doing it. And I know I'm not the only one that's legitimate about it also. Okay. I'm glad that you said that because I was about to say, uh, I, I like you. I like the stuff that, that I've seen and, and I've talked to you and I met you in person. Uh, you know, I don't know every detail about your life and your business, but generally speaking, I, I you know, I, I like you and that's why I wanted to have you on the show. And I was wondering, you know, obviously there's a lot of other people that probably do really good work. So I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because there are other, you know, there are other tours and other people around the world and around the country that do uh, do good stuff as well. That's what you're saying. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, am I unique? Um, I am in Sedona, and I tell you why, because I'm the only tour guide and tour operator that I know personally, and I know everybody that does UFO, ghost, psychic vortex, and medicine wheel tours. So, um, and I, I pride myself on that. I try to be as well-rounded as possible. I'm constantly studying. Um, I learn a lot from my guests. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, we had these F-35s. We've all heard of F-16s and F-18s. We had F-35s, which I had never even heard of before. And they were doing training maneuvers over our very small private airport. And uh, I chat up all of the employees at the airport and ask them what is going on. Because there's a huge military presence here that people don't realize. And that Sedona is basically a system and series of military bases in what you call DUMS. And DUMS is an acronym for Deep Underground Military Bases. And I've used this term with military before. And two-thirds, three-fourths of the time, they don't even know what I'm talking about. They've never even heard of it. So we have that kind of esoteric, clandestine military that operates here. And I believe the fact that they do it, can't prove it, but I believe it's because of all the paranormal and UFO activity that, you know, it's just common knowledge. That's what we talk about here. Yeah. That's what we talk about here. It's a dinner table conversation, and it's not even a big deal. Yeah, I want to come back to that, to the aspect of why Sedona is a hot spot. But when you say dumb, I know what a deep underground military base is. In fact, uh, DARPA had a, a contest like six years ago for college students to design the best underground military base or underground base for some corporation. That was a it was like live science reported that. So that's a very real thing. Uh, are you saying that those things exist in or I should say under Sedona? Or is that more speculation based on the military presence Okay, so I, I love the way you articulated that. So can I prove it to you? No, but I can show you things that would make you tend to believe that what I'm saying is true. And, you know, I do tours with people from all over the country and all over the world all the time. And so it was sometime last year, and we're up at the airport, which is a spectacular scenic overlook of the town. And I'm talking about where Bradshaw Ranch is. I'm talking about where the DUMS, deep underground military bases, are, that they're using geothermal vents, which is basically volcanoes with no lava coming out of it. But the energy is very powerful and abundant, and they're using this to use power to run their bases. And uh, um, so this guy, I'm telling him about Bradshaw Ranch, and I'm telling everybody on the tour about Bradshaw Ranch and some other anomalous things that happen here and where the bases are. And he pulls me aside, and he said, I'm retired Air Force, uh, 35 years from Luke Air Force Base outside of Phoenix. And he said, do you realize that there are underground bases? And I said, dumbs. He's like, yes, dumbs. Between here and Phoenix, there's 70 of them. And they're all connected underground through tunnel systems that you could literally drive 18 wheelers through. And when I first moved here, I, I heard through the lady, and there's a number of people that train me, but one of the ladies that trained me, she told me that there's a tunnel that goes from Jerome, which is supposedly the most haunted city in America, underneath Sedona and ultimately ends up at Area 51, Groom Lake, Nevada, close to S4. And so um, I can't prove any of that, but I do believe it to be true because I've heard too many people in the military tell me this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when, when this guy, 35-year veteran of the Air Force out of Luke Air Force Base, Phoenix, I said, you know, I believe you, but how do you know this? And he said, well, they train me there. 
And I said, well, you know, what else can you tell me? And he said, well, nothing. <laughs> and I said, well, can you give me anything? And he said, okay, I know that they have some, like some kind of psychic underground base where they test people for psychic abilities. Sounds like Montauk. It does to me too, man. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It's all conjectural. I don't have any, Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you're, you, that you can say that because some people might hear that statement that you made and then think that you're discredited because you didn't say, you know, I can't disprove this or I can't prove this. You didn't really acknowledge it, but you did acknowledge it. You don't necessarily know, but based on what you've experienced and based on who you've talked to, you can kind of infer that that's the case. And for the record, for the audience, for everybody listening, I also feel the same way John does, not because I'm up there doing those kinds of tours, but because when I lived down in uh, Orlando, Florida, I actually went to uh, film school. I don't know if you knew this, John. I went to film school at Full Sail in Orlando. I used to live, I used to live right next to Full Sail. You did? When I, yeah. did I, I used to do entertainment by Disney World, and I lived out by UCF, and Full Sail was closer to UCF. And Scott Stapp from the band Creed found Alex Tremonti at Full Sail back in the 90s. Uh-huh. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I lived in two places right there, right by the university and then right by Full Sail. Uh, and I actually lived out, <laughs> out near Disney, a, th- a third place. Uh, yeah, so I no. actually, I started a radio, uh, my radio show started there in uh, Winter Park, by the way, uh, 91.5 FM WPRK. I don't know if you knew that either, but yeah, I, I grew up and, and did a lot of stuff around there. And I went to, when I was at Full Sail one time, I was just getting into radio and it wasn't because of the school. I just happened to fall into it outside of school. And I was, I was reading, I was reading like David Icke and some other books. And I worked at the bookstore at the, at the full cell uh, school, I guess you could call it a university. And someone saw what I was reading and said, Hey, have you ever heard, uh, you know, McDill air force base, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I know McDill. I used to go to air shows when I was a kid. And they said, you're interested in all this weird, like alien stuff. Anybody ever talked to you about like what goes on at McDill? And I said, (laughs) I said, I mean, maybe people have mentioned it. I mean, and you got to understand this was me like just starting out. I'm just starting out in what I'm doing. I don't really don't know anything. And the the woman says, she's like, well, I'm not involved in it, but she said, I've, uh, I have a family member who works at McDill and he told me sort of off the record, this was so many years ago that there's an underground facility at McDill that goes all the way under the Bay of Tampa uh, and it goes down south to Miami and then there's like a hub there and then that connects and goes under the ocean, under the Keys and it goes all the way down to Cuba. And I had her tell me that and then I had someone else in Florida completely unrelated and this was really before the kind of mainline and alternative conspiracy theory stuff really began. This was like 2009, 2010, um, you know, in terms of how the internet's grown. So, I've had people tell me the same thing, completely unrelated. Uh, the woman did not seem crazy to me, and she just asked me, yeah, you ever hear about this underground facility? So it kind of corroborates what you're saying, too. Well, and just like you said, I have sourced my information from multiple sources, and they don't know each other. It's not like they're conspiring to deceive me. Right. Uh, people from different walks of life, different parts of the country telling me the same things. I mean, I, you know, you hear enough of it and you tend to think it's true, whether it's true or not, it might be just a popular rumor out there, but I think there's more to it than that. And that's for sure. And like you said, Ryan, I always try to disclaimer everything. If I can prove it, or at least if I think I can prove it, I will tell you I can. And if I can't, I can't. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yes. 
Well, you know, I'm not going to use names, but there's a lot of, you know, David Wilcox and Corey. Good. <laughs> you can use, world. you can use all those names here, man. All those names. Yeah. <laughs> Go okay. Ahead. And, and Smith and the gang, you know, yeah. a lot of guys, TV, you know, it's, it's shameful. And they're the ones making more money off of it and they're making it off a lie. Mm-hmm. I have a real problem with that. Agreed. That's why, I mean, David Wilcock made it a personal thing with me a long time ago. But other than that, that personal issue, uh, that beef that he kind of created, I've just asked questions of these people. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of listeners think that I have a, you know, I like to start flame wars. It's not that I just I want proof, (laughs) proof of what you're saying. Right. Or or a disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) But you just want the truth, man. Yeah. That's all you want. Yeah. Whatever that might be. Yeah, and then if you are just you're speculating, then tell me you're speculating. If you can't prove it, tell me you can't prove it that, that it's speculation. Yep, that's, and I think that's that, what I'm asking. I think that's abundant. I think that's abundantly fair and objective. Also, so I have some of the best UFO footage in the world that I have personally taken, and Bradshaw Ranch Stargate footage that I have personally taken, and in my mind, it doesn't prove anything. It proves nothing, but at least I have it. And the, one of the best parts about my footage is I have groups of people with me and you can hear everybody tripping out when we're seeing UFOs and we're seeing ghosts and I have it on the recording, you know, unless I'm hiring actors to do this, then it's real. So maybe, maybe it's an illusion. Maybe people are just, maybe I'm putting thoughts in their mind to make them think certain things. I don't believe that's the case, but whatever, at least I have the raw human reaction to what we're seeing at the exact time that it happens on my videos. Sure. And I would also like to add that, and I, I, I think that, and I assume that you also will agree with this statement that it's not about money or fame or anything like that with those, those people that we just mentioned. It's more so that you, and I know I do all the time, every single show, I try to do things objectively and I try to find evidence and I try to do things in a moral way and when people can get rich, or even if they're not getting rich, but if they can get popularity by selling nonsense, that really can have a negative effect on what I do. And I don't like that. No, it affects us all. It affects all of us in this collective umbrella field, if you will, that are trying to be legit. They're trying to you yes, know, sir. use some science and technology to back up what we're saying. And we can't always totally do it, but then give the disclaimer, you know, this is what I have. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe it was, you know, some kind of mirage or tricks of light or whatever, but at least I have the footage and I'm going to talk about it and show my footage until I die. Sure. And that footage, and I mean, that footage could be, I want to talk to you about that. That footage could be really anything. What do you think most of the time? Do you kind of agree with that blue book analysis that 90% completely explainable and 10% mysterious? We don't know what they are. It doesn't mean they're aliens or it doesn't mean they're not aliens. Like you have the footage. You're not getting this stuff from quote unquote insiders. You film this yourself in Sedona and the surrounding area. So can you kind of, for me anyway, and for the audience, can you kind of break down like how do you perceive what you're filming? What do you think it is most of the time? Okay, that's a, that's a good question. And it's the question that you have to address first. So I do a lot of conferences. I do them around the country, mostly in Sedona. And I show my footage at these conferences. And, um, you know, I was telling you the, the live human reaction to what is going on at the time. I'm not going to say that authenticates 
what I'm doing, but it, and it, it's not contrived. It's not like I paid somebody to be some, some actor. Uh, but I've had experts look at my footage. I've even had people from Stanford University study my footage also. And nobody will get back to me. So the fact that they won't get back to me could mean a number of things. It means that they think I'm full of it or that they're not allowed to communicate with me. Like MUFON and other organizations where it's like, you know, let's sit down at the round table and have a discussion. You know, let me show you this footage on my 70-inch big screen. Let's sit back and objectively look at this. And then, you know, I use satellite apps on my phone. I'm always tracking Starlink, tracking the satellites, tracking everything. Because I want my footage to be received as legitimate. So here's an example. A number of years ago, I'm on a walk. I love to walk around Sedona. And I have my phone on me. You never know what you're going to see. And I see what appeared to be UFOs on the side of the mountain. And that happens here more often than you would think. It does. And so I take pictures of it. And then I put it on Twitter and Facebook. And I get all this positive feedback. I really did. And it made me feel so good. And then about a year later, I went on the same walk. And I realized that what I captured was stadium lights on a stadium that they only fire up those lights a couple times a year for special events. And so when I saw that, I went back and posted the same original footage from the year before, and I admitted. I'm like, I was wrong. You know, please give me some credit. Most people, or no, I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people would just stick to that and, you know, say that's my footage and it's real but when I figured out, I debunked myself. And I, I would hope that that gives me more credibility because, you know, a lot of individuals, if you will, they're not going to do that. They're not going to ever say that they were wrong. But, you know, when you're wrong, just say you're wrong. You know, I do UFO tours for a living. I'm not right about everything. That's for sure. Sure, sure. John Polk is our guest this evening. John Polk is a tour guide up in Sedona, Arizona. John, what are the names of the tours again and your website before we take this quick break? We'll come back and then we'll talk a little bit more about those UFOs. All right. John Polk tours.com J O H N P O L K tours.com. And everything's on there. There's links to anything that you would want. And then my personal email, if you want to contact me is J Polk tours at gmail.com and I'll even give you my phone number which is 407-924-8857 which is an Orlando number which I've had for 25 years yeah my number I'm not going to give it out but uh, it still starts with my uh, my old digits from high school I've had it forever I was going to say that is an Orlando number 407 anyway yeah, yeah, it's a- go ahead go ahead no but that was that was it well John Polk again is our guest this evening and we'll be right back after this short break with another full segment. Really fun, really informative conversation so far. We have a lot more to get into. The music tonight is from White Bat Audio. You can check them out on YouTube. They allow us to use their music for bumper, and we appreciate that. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More with John Polk after this. Don't go anywhere. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and tst underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. 
From the occult and theology to history and the paranormal, the Secret Teachings Radio Show brings you that and more Monday through Friday on Ground Zero.radio. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages my digital books and more for those of you who already have a secret teaching subscription you can still keep that subscription just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today I need it. this is david ike and you are listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before president business is going to use the crackle to end the world president business is going to end the world but he's such a good guy in octan they make good stuff music dairy products coffee tv shows surveillance systems all history books voting machines wait a minute welcome to the darkness the secret teachings radio show is on facebook and twitter just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and tst underscore underscore radio to tweet with us think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl up through the fall back to me attention you are tuned into restricted airspace tune out immediately this is the frequency of the secret teachings on ground zero radio You are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. John Polk is my guest this evening in hour number two. In the first hour, we had Karen Dolman on. Now we have John on. John's also going to be at the Sedona Ascension Retreat this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And John, before we continue, why don't you give listeners a little bit of information about what you're going to be doing at that event, and then let's get back into the videos of UFOs, what they might be, and why they're so attracted to places like Sedona. Okay, so SedonaAscensionRetreats.com. Um, the organizer and founder is Suzanne Ross. And I met her when I was actually living in Orlando, Florida. 
she went to a crystal shop here in town in Sedona called Crystal Magic. She had a friend with her from out of town who wanted to get a psychic reading. And so she was like, okay, I'll just buy a book and I'll go sit in the parking lot and read it while you're getting your psychic reading. So she goes into the book section and a book pops out by her foot down at the bottom shelf. And it was my book, Yahweh, the biblical God is an alien. And she finds a way to get in touch with me. She gets in touch with me and she said, this is very consistent with my research about Bible aliens and Anunnaki. And so that's how we met each other. And I said, I'm going to call Crystal Magic to see how they found out about me. So I called Crystal Magic and said, my name is Reverend John Polk. You know, I have the book Yahweh, the biblical God is an alien. Suzanne Ross purchased it from your store. Um, How'd you find out about me? And the lady who picked up the phone, she said, I've never heard of you. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, Suzanne Ross bought the book and she interviewed me and she bought it from your store. She's like, no, 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 she didn't. Um, I'm the one who buys all the books and sells all the books and catalogs all the sales on the computer. She never bought this from our store. So then I call Suzanne. I'm like, I know you're not lying. You know, what do you think happened? She's like, John, things like this happen in Sedona, and they do. She said, I think we were meant to be friends and work together. So I have worked together with her since 2017, and that's how I met her. And so her retreats and her uh, her conferences get bigger and better every single year. So last year, she had probably 250 people at a community center not far from where I live in the heart of Sedona. And now she's packing out a 700-plus person venue called the Performing Arts Center, which is at the high school at the southern tip of town. And she's got some really, really good players here that are going to be part of it. So William Henry, who is an investigative mythologist who's been on Ancient Aliens since the very beginning, he's going to be there. Uh, Let's see. Billy Carson, another ufologist, he's going to be there. Alan Steinfeld. Brad Olson, JJ, and Desiree Hurtak, George Nuri. I'm going to be on a panel with George Nuri of Coast to Coast, and he's been on Ancient Aliens for years also. Um, so George asked Suzanne, who's the best UFO guy in town? And she said, Reverend John Polk. You want to, you, you need to meet him. And that was the highest, you know, flattery and honor that he asked her that, and she responded the way that she did. And it's a star-studded cast of ufologists and spiritual healers, light workers, remote viewers, and I'm the UFO guy for the entire thing. So we have 80 people lined up for this weekend. We have 40 on Friday the 17th and 40 on Sunday the 19th. And that's so many people. I have nine night vision goggles. They're PVS-7 Generation 3 military issue night vision goggles. They're three grand a piece. I have 10 of them now. I just bought another pair. Uh, and that's not even enough. It's not even enough. So I brought in another company to help me. Uh, and her her work and her programs and her presentations and her retreats and her conferences just keep getting bigger and bigger and better and better. She just keeps out doing herself. And she is the provost in Sedona for any kind of conference in this town dealing with UFO spirituality. We had Suzanne on the show a week and a half ago. There's a week and a half ago. And mm-hmm. uh, 
probably unlike some shows, I mean, I actually grilled her on a couple of points and a couple of uh, things that she, <laughs> that she, did. she was nice enough to uh, accommodate me and she agreed with a few things. And I, I mean, we had a really good talk and I actually had uh, Michael Jaco on last night and a couple of things about him I disagree with, but we had a good talk and he answered my questions and I have to say also for my audience, you know, I don't particularly like Billy Carson. Uh, I don't find him to be very credible. That's my my opinion and also some stuff that I know from the inside. But otherwise, there you know, people like Brad Olson, my friend Karen Dolman, uh, you're going to be there. There's a lot of really great people going as well. So objectively speaking, I don't get along with everybody. I don't agree with everybody. Some people I really disagree with. But it's still a fun thing to get together. And it, it's still informative and it's still nice, especially because we've had years of you know, having conferences kind of closed down and virtual, it's nice to get back together. Yeah, I agree, man. You put this many personalities together and somebody's going to be full of it, you know, <laughs> yeah. minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Couple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, that's bare minimum. So, <laughs> well, anyway, but, let's, yeah. I'm sorry, go yeah, ahead. Please. No, you, you go ahead. Well, let, you let's, say? yeah, let's look back into those UFO videos because I had asked you just to recap. I had asked you uh, how you differentiate between what is kind of like with Project Blue Book. It's like 90% identifiable, 10% the government doesn't want to talk about, but they're still unidentified, still mysterious. Pretty much the same thing we learned in the 40s from Major 20 and the same thing we learned in the 60s from Project Blue Book and the same thing we learned in 2023 from the most recent UFO report is that the government still is having uh, really a, a hard time figuring out what some of these objects are. They're still outmaneuvering. They have been for 75 plus years, outmaneuvering our most sophisticated military equipment. At least that's the story. And they still can't identify like about 10%, although the new report, it, it was like more, way more than 10%. So there's something there. Is everything an alien spaceship from Zeta Reticuli? Probably not. But there's still something more than mysterious going on in the skies. And they tend to be attracted not only to nuclear missiles, as we know, a long history of that in the U.S. military, but also places like Sedona, probably because of, you know, crystals and the rocks. And there's something to that, whether they're aliens or whether it's something natural, like, uh, you know, like electricity, if you will, ball lightning, or it is uh, maybe it's kind of like insects or something like swarms of insects. The USDA has investigated that in Utah before swarms of insects, uh, UFOs. There's a lot of possibilities you do this professionally. What do you see? What is your interpretation most of the time? Uh, is there one particular case that just blows you away more than another? Uh, go ahead, John. Well, you know, in the end, it's what can you prove? And I told you that my footage, which I will be showing at the conference, I've, it's, getting, it's getting a lot of traction. Um, but in my mind, like I said, it's not disclosure. It, it, it's not, you know, if I show my footage this weekend, which I will is, you know, is the rest of the world going to just fall in and go, yeah, okay. He's the one, he was the one who exacted disclosure. It's not going to work like that. Um, but what, another thing that I do and I have video of it is where I can literally talk to them when they're flying through the air, as far fetched as that sounds, I can talk to them through telepathy, you know, Stephen Greer, CE five, um, in my mind, it, it works, but I take it a step further. Um, I, I pray and I meditate and I let them know where I am. So it's not so much where the grid lines are, where the vortexes are. It's where I am. And I let them know where I'm going to be. And I have countless witnesses that will go on record 
And unless it's the military following me around, which I would not rule that out. Okay, so let's go there. Unless it's the military that's following me around and trying to fool me and pull the whammy on me, which, like I said, I wouldn't rule it out, then there's something to it. And, you know, so since I don't have the smoking gun with, you know, the UFO that crashed in the middle of the street here in Sedona, I don't have any of that. Even but I you, do have. The, even if you did, people still probably wouldn't believe that. So, to be fair. Well, you know, in my mind, uh, I really don't care if they believe me or not. True. Um, I, I, I would feel the same way. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, but, you know, the witnesses. And that's all I got. You know, do I have a piece of a, a, a crashed spacecraft with a memory metal? No, I don't have any of that. Um, now, do I believe that our government does? Do I believe that Bob Lazar actually did work on some craft? David Adair, did he work on some craft? Boyd Bushman, do I believe he worked on some craft? Absolutely. Ben Rich on his deathbed admitted that we can do anything that the aliens can do. Now, that's debatable, but he said that on his deathbed. A lot of these Air Force pilots, a lot of these defense contractors, they're not going to say nothing. But when they know they're dying, then they're willing to come out with information. I wonder, too, John, if if what we're experiencing more so today than in Bob Lazar's days when he first came out. And I've I'm still questioning Bob Lazar's story. But the thing about this that gets me is I don't know if it's the government, quote unquote, or if it's maybe the aerospace industries or it's the defense contractors but there seems to be some form of motivation perhaps i can kind of infer that from the last few years of quote unquote ufo soft disclosure that it's almost like government officials or agencies or some companies they they kind of want people to believe certain things and if that is the case like if some of this is manufactured or some of these people are paid to be there in my opinion people like Corey good might have actually been paid if he wasn't paid maybe he's just delusional social media companies and their algorithms they allow this stuff to be promulgated so maybe there's motivation by some powerful forces to allow a lot of the fake stuff to circulate in order to cover up perhaps something else or to create disillusionment among the people. I mean, either way, you're still dealing with something that's very conspiratorial, very mysterious, very unexplained, whatever it is, ultimately in the end, whether you or I or anybody else can prove or disprove it, there's something going on. And it's definitely more than just your typical swamp gas and, hey, that's American Airlines. There's something else happening. And I think maybe uh, you know, what it might be is just manifestation. Like, real quick example, Kenneth Arnold in 1947, prior to Kenneth Arnold with Murray Island and Roswell, you know, pilots in World War II, they saw Foo Fighters, little glowing orbs, and they saw ghost rockets and cigar-shaped craft. But discs were not really a, a common thing. There's one report from Germany, Schweinfurt, in 1941 or 42 about discs. But otherwise, it wasn't until Arnold said what he said to an Oregon newspaper, and then that newspaper published what he said out of context and really ran with it. And Arnold was even mad after the fact and said, hey, that's not what I really saw. But they took the idea of a saucer skipping on water, said flying saucer, and then at that point, John, that's what everybody started to see. So I can't help but think that if people like you, if you really are able to sort of have a connection to these things, and anybody can have a connection to these things, maybe it's manifestation, and it's happening on levels of consciousness or the unconscious or subconscious and the collective conscience that it's really hard to conceive or to perceive of and to really nail it down and figure out what's going on. But we still know that, hey, there's something there. We just can't really 
explain it. Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. So one thing that I do is I have a money back guarantee. So in all the years I've done what I do, guess how many people just looked me right in the eye and told me I was full of it and they wanted their money back. Guess how many people? I'm going to guess zero. I'd always want to say maybe, maybe one, but I'm going to guess zero. 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 I've never had anybody say, I didn't see anything. And, and I have a number of testimonials from people that were totally just scientists, left brain, pragmatic. Um, and I get that too. Um, and they went on record in a testimonial using their name and saying, you know what? I was a skeptic. I'm not anymore. And so what I do when, when we're doing UFO and I did this last night with two girls that I, that actually I knew them. I didn't know that I knew them, but I knew them. They work in the you know industry out here in hospitality. And they, I did a freebie last night. I didn't have any paid customers, but I'd rather do it for free with locals and frontline employees just for the sake of doing it so they can talk about it. And <clears throat> we asked them three things when they're flying around. Can you power up, which means can you pulse or just show us a bright light or something? Can you vanish, which means can you vanish and or can you change direction? Those are the three things that we don't tell them what to do. We ask them to do it. And it, it does it 90 plus percent of the time on a clear night and the, on a clear night in Sedona, you can see a billion stars also. It's beautiful out here. Yes, it is. And well, and then I'm, I don't make them, but I ask them, can you please go on record? Let me use this testimonial and just say that we talk to them. You know, we ask them to power up. That's my favorite one when they pulse and show you a bright light or flash. And Melinda Leslie does the same thing too. And actually all of all my competitors do. That's a basic standard protocol for what we do to talk to them. And it could be a coincidence. It could be the military. I mean, it could be a lot of things, but whatever. And so, you know, people will ask me, what was that? And I got the best built-in excuse in the world. It's unidentified. It's a UFO. I don't know. And I'm going to stick to my guns on that because I don't know. Do I know where they're from? I get all the questions in the world. Are they from Andromeda? Are they from the future? <laughs> Are they time travelers? Are they from the Pleiades? Are they from Orion? Andromeda? And I, I honestly don't know how to answer those questions. I get feelings about where, where I think that they're from. But I believe that they're using what I call a trans-dimensional space-time vehicle. That if you can plot points in the universe with the same kind of vibration frequency theoretically through quantum hologram theory and also through string theory, you can bring those two points together in an interdimensional capacity. And that's what I believe a lot is what's happening. So last night, we, me and these two girls, we saw a number of craft vanish. Well, guess what? Satellites don't vanish (laughs) and they don't power up either. And so, this this was so great. It was a few years ago, and I'm doing a UFO tour, and you know the tour is almost over. And this guy with a very thick European accent tells me I'm a European satellite technician, and I was sent here to test you guys. So he went to all of my competitors, and then he came to me. I was the last one, and he said, "John, you're the only one who got it right about satellites." 
And then he started explaining everything to me. And I'm like, can I record this? And he said, no. And I recorded it anyway. I didn't use his face. I just turned, you know, just turned on record on my phone and recorded what he said. And he vetted me and it made me feel so good that, you know, out of everybody in this town. And I'd like to think that we have some of the best UFO sighting tour guides in the entire world here that he said, you're the best and you're the only one who even got satellites halfway right. None of you got it right completely. And that made me feel incredibly good because uh, you have to science everything away. You have to apply the science. I have to break out my satellite app. You know, where is Starlink? Where are the spy satellites? Where are the weather satellites? Where is this? Where is that? Hubble, Kepler, um, International Space Station, things like that, which you can see. Um, so, yeah, it, was, it, it made me feel so good. And I played at my presentations also. And you know what? For the record, it could be when you say people have these experiences, they don't ask for their money back uh, quite literally. You know, obviously for some people, it's just the, the, the entertainment value of it. For a lot of people, I'm imagining, I'm, I'm sure it's they really believe that they're seeing something and they really are seeing something. Of course, you know, as, you, as you've already agreed with me tonight, John. Uh, what they're seeing is up for debate. It could be uh, military, it could be alien, it could be interdimensional, it could be something we are manifesting collectively as a culture. It could be a lot of different things, but there's obviously, again, something there, something that might be, uh, you know, you might be able to interact with it, whatever that is. And it's probably like a lot of other things in the world. We don't fully understand how everything in nature works it's just unidentified until we can identify it. And this might be something in 50 years we can finally figure it out. It might never be figured out. That's the, the mystery is really what drives, uh, I think, a lot of people, more so than just the alien aspect, although that drives a lot. It's just the mystery of it, the mystery of life, the mysteries of the universe. I think that's really the driving factor for a lot of people in, in these fields. Yeah, I, I concur completely. Um, but so what I do on my tours, when we see things that we at least think are something unidentifiable, I, I, I'm pretty loud and boisterous. I'm like, did you see that? Yes or no? And I start not yelling, but I get very loud. Did you see it? Yes or no? Yeah. Well, is it yes or no? Yes. Okay. If you said yes and say it loud, yes, we saw it. You know, do you think it was military? Do you think it was this? Do you think it that? You know, so I'm getting them to tell me what they think that it was also. And now um, I'm not doing NLP on them or neuro-linguistic programming or anything, which I know a lot of people in Sedona absolutely know how to do. Um, and so I love what you said. Are, are we manifesting this? So I've had groups where, you know, my group is here. My competition's group is maybe a football field away. And so we use lasers. We use lasers to point not at, but towards what we're seeing. And my big rule is don't point at anything because I've been wrong before and pointed it at an airplane when I was younger and didn't know what I was doing. And you can go to prison for that. And it's a $10,000 fine also. So point under it. That's my rule of thumb. That's the way I was taught to do it years ago. Anyway, if you see something that you think is a UFO, whether you're right or not, doesn't matter. Point it out anyway, because I've been wrong before too. Point it out, but point under it. And so a number of times, the group that was maybe a football field away from me, a number of times, I could see them piggybacking off my group. So my group would see something first, and we'd start shooting lasers at it. You can't help but see the lasers. 
And then all of a sudden, after my group sees it first, then his group starts seeing it also. But a number of times, um, my group has seen something and his group did not shine any lasers at all. And I'm like, so my folks allow this to soak in. We can hear them talking. Football field is not that far away. They did not use any of their lasers whatsoever. So either I'm doing the uh, Jedi mind trick on you to make you think that you're seeing something, or we all actually saw something. And guess what? Allow this to soak in. The group next to us didn't see nothing because we would have seen their lasers. And that kind of thing has been happening. Yes. And and like I said, man, maybe I am manifesting this stuff. I don't know. Um, Well, either way, it's there. Either way, it's there on film. Either the way it's there, it's something you're seeing. It's something other people are seeing and cooperating, whether that's group think or not. It's still something that you're witnessing and documenting. Yes. And so, you know, I, I do a lot of conferences and, I, you know, and it took me five years, but now I do pretty much every single conference in town, which is the highest honor. And my friends who are my competition, we, we we're all friends. And I'm glad it used to not be that way, but we are now. And they're all highly jealous of me. I'm not going to use any names. Um, uh, But that being said, when you're spotting stuff in the sky and they're not, and and then I'm showing my UFO footage and my Bradshaw Ranch Stargate footage, you know, and they don't have any of it. I see it really eats them up. It does. And I've had a good friend of mine, competition, I'll leave him nameless, but he's like, oh, everything that I do is satellite. And, you know, but he always says, well, I really would like for you to send me a copy of that. And I'm like, well, if it's satellites, why do you want a copy of satellites? <laughs> <laughs> and then here's something else is, uh, you know, Richard Doty, if anybody knows who he is, um, he was counterintelligence. So let's say that the military was doing some clandestine experiment with an experimental craft because they just, you know, they just engineered and now they're going to test him. So if him and his agencies that he worked with knew that it was military and eyewitnesses are now calling the cops and stuff saying, Hey, we just saw UFOs. He was sent to them to tell them that, yes, you're right. It was a UFO when in fact it was military and he would do that, you know, vice versa too that in effect it wasn't military, that it was UFO, but he was disinformation. And so they have spooks like that out there that do that too. And that's what they do for a living. There's no doubt in my mind that that is absolutely a thing that happens all, especially in ufology, mainline ufology. I think it's, it's filled with spooks and uh, other similar kinds of people. And I think a lot of it's just done through algorithm training now on the internet, social media, Google, et cetera. You know, they can gear it in any direction to make people think pretty much anything and uh, that's always something we have to consider highly, uh, with a lot, of, a lot of consideration when we talk about these kinds of things. Uh, John Polk, the time has gone very, very quickly. I've really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and uh, we'll have to have you back on at some point soon. Oh, man, yeah, I was just getting warmed up. But, yes, oh, thank too. you, Ryan. <laughs> you, you're highly professional. You asked all the right questions. Um, you weren't going to just lay down and let me just say everything I wanted to say. Uh, you challenged me a little bit, but you were respectful and you were professional about that. And I like that. You interviewed me very well because most people really don't know how to interview me. And you did. So well, all so the respect you. in the world to you, 
to you and your show. You do a brilliant job, and I'm impressed by you and what you're doing. Thank you, John. I really appreciate that. And I know, as I said, you've never been on this show before, so I've never gotten to interview you, obviously. And uh, I'm in, I'm impressed by the the way that we both kind of handled this together. This was really nice. We'll do it again, and I'll see you in Sedona in just a couple of days over the weekend. How long are you going to be in town? I'll be in town Saturday evening. I don't know what time we're going to get in, but I'll be in town Saturday evening through Monday night, probably. Okay. Well, may, maybe Monday we can connect outside of the conference. Brad Olson wants to hang out too. Yes. So maybe we can go, you know, do UFO just us. Okay. If, yeah. If, yeah. If it works out like that. I'd love to do that with you. If, yeah, if not this time, I mean, we're just down in Tucson. We love coming up to Sedona. So we'll, we'll come up again and plan that with you another time. If not. All right. Outstanding. Hey, thank you uh, for being a professional and I enjoy your work and look forward to seeing you this weekend. I really appreciate it, John. What's the website one more time? Uh, com. J-O-H-N-P-O-L-K tours.com. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. We'll talk to you and see you soon. Okay. All right. Look forward to it. All right. Bye-bye. All right, there goes John Polk. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. I hope that you've enjoyed tonight's show. We normally don't have back-to-back guests on, but we had a good conversation with Karen Dahlman earlier, and that was just John Polk tonight on the broadcast. Both of them going to be, as will myself, I'll be there as well at the Sedona Ascension Retreat this weekend. I hope that if you are a listener of this show and you've listened a long time, when it comes to things like what we just discussed with John or things we discussed with Karen earlier on about the uh, the self, the internal self, the uh, oversoul or the higher self, whatever you choose to call it, that uh, there's a way to look at these things that are a mixture of science and, uh, well, I guess what you would call uh, the mysterious or the paranormal. There's a way to merge these two things together and to get a, a more objective and rational explanation rather than just absolutely accepting everything or absolutely rejecting everything, which is really... It's the, it's the kind of false dichotomy that it seems everything from politics to religion to the paranormal and ufology is, is really focused on uh, and has been for some time. I think social media has really made that worse. But here on The Secret Teachings, uh, I'm really uh, grateful that not only can I do this show, but that you guys support what I do here and uh, understand that it's important to find balance between these two absolute and sometimes maybe three absolute extremes. So again, this is The Secret Teachings. Please check out our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. If you're already a subscriber, please resubscribe. But you also have the option to go over to aftermath.media now because of our deal with Aftermath and Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. You can find The Secret Teachings over there. And if you subscribe to the premium package, you get Clyde's stuff and my stuff. So, I mean, you can't really get a much better deal than that aftermath.media and the secret teachings.info tomorrow night we have don lester and i'm not sure if david parker will be joining but don lester will be joining us from the uk and then of course thursday our good friend brad olson will be back on the show and if not friday night it will be next week probably monday we'll have leo zagami on another good friend of ours will also have laura lavender on and we have that really cool remote broadcast from nexus occult books in Tucson, Arizona, a two-part show we're going to do with the owner of that bookstore. Really, really, 
really great uh, bookstore, and we're going to talk about a lot of occult things and a lot of things that go beyond the occult. And that will be next week. We have a lot of stuff going on on The Secret Teachings, and I'm glad that you can be here with us. I'm glad that you take the time. I'm grateful that you take the time to tune into this show and support what we do, whether you buy buy a book or you subscribe or maybe you've donated to send us to Contact in the Desert. Uh, We'd really appreciate uh, anybody else who can help support us and and send us to that conference because we're all listener-supported. And, of course, thank you to all of you who have already done that. Last but not least, the music, White Bat Audio. Take a listen to that as we go out here tonight. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.